I won't take t- time to read the whole psalm again. We've, we've done that a couple of times now, but I will begin reading in verse number 8, Psalm 16, verse number 8. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. We sang that, didn't we? I shall not be. I shall not be moved. Now we, there was a few things that were in. You know, they must be listening, Brother JT, because this morning there were lots of hymns called out that had stuff that you were talking about, stuff that's in this psalm they hadn't even heard again yet this morning. But uh, verse 9 says, Therefore my heart is glad. Why, why is his heart glad? Hmm? He set the Lord always before him. Um, you know, what's come up this week? What's happened this week? What, what are you facing next week? Have you set the Lord before you? You know, whatever it is, if it's... School's coming up soon, isn't it, Danny? I know you're looking forward to that. You know, mine, mine go all year round, so it doesn't matter to them um, having a summer break. But... What about those tests that you're going to have to take? Um, and we could think about tests in different ways, couldn't we? I mean, they've got, they've got book work and tests they've got to take, but there's, there's tests and trials the Lord puts us all through. Um, not, a, not an easy thing Brother Bruce has had to do this past week in, in moving his brother from one place, you know, to another and him getting adjusted and, um, you know, Adriana and things that... You know, she's going through and her mom and dad having to, to uh, worry. Um, you know, we sang the hymn, All Your Anxiety, All Your Care. Uh, so you know, there's, there's lots of, set the Lord always before you. Yes, it's both. Everything's there. It's all contained therein. Yes. Verse 10. And we even sang about this about our glorification even this morning thou wilt not leave my soul in hell or in the grave right neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption verse 11 and this this corresponds with verse number 10 and not leaving us in the grave when 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 you die Cohen what's going to happen well, I'm talking about you. <clears throat> yeah. What, what's going to happen for you when you close your eyes here? And the presence of the Lord, right? Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, this verse number 11 corresponds with that thought there, doesn't it? Um, not going to leave my soul in the grave. My body's going to be there, right? I mean, we can go. You, you pick a grave marker up there. We can, we can dig somebody up. They're still there, you know. My body still be there, but not my soul. Not my soul. So, thou wilt show me the path of life in thy presence. I mean, this paradise that Cohen's talking about, in thy presence is fullness of joy. That's what makes it a paradise. In the presence of God, if it weren't for God, if God wasn't there, it wouldn't be a paradise. You know? In the Thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. 
more. Let's pray. Brother Donnie, would you pray for us? Amen. Maybe seated. I'm encouraged this morning. The hymns that the Spirit brought to your mind to call out. Um, you know, there were things that were speaking to me from our text this morning, from the things that you uh, had asked to be sung. And then Brother JT talking about rest this morning. I mean, this is something to rest in. I mean, right? This is the, the consummation, the end of all things as far as your earthly existence. And it says here, you'll not leave my soul in the grave. You're not going to abandon me at that time. So we've seen thus far in Psalm 16, God as our great preserver. God is our preserver. He sent forth His only begotten Son who gave Himself as a sacrifice for our sins that we might be redeemed, preserving us, uh, keeping us. Uh, moreover, um, from, and Brother Donnie mentioned it, you know, even before we knew, before the world began. You know, he's praying a while ago when he made, you know, uh, mention of that. He is our every good we've seen in the psalm. He's our everlasting portion. He maintains our lot in this life. He ordains, Brother JT was telling us this morning, everything for our good. He's given us counsel in the night seasons, in the dark times, 
in the difficult places that we've had to walk through when we couldn't see our way. His Word's been a light. It's been a lamp to our feet and a light unto our path. He will lead us. He will instruct us. He will guide us. He abides with us. By His Spirit, He'll never leave us nor forsake us. I mean, these are thoughts that we've had as we've been going through. He's the reason, as we get to where we are this morning, for my gladness. He's the reason for my joy. He's the reason for my rejoicing. He's my hope in this life and in that life that is to come. So, in it all, He will not abandon me. He will not. He's purposed not only to save my soul. That's not the end. Right? I mean, there's justification, there's sanctification, but we go on beyond that. There's, there's something yet. Glorification. There's a glorified body to be received. A body that will be able to dwell in the presence of God. A body that will be able to dwell in the presence of God and enjoy Him and rejoice in Him forevermore. Um, this, this body is decaying even as I'm speaking to you. Today, I have one day less than I had yesterday. Don't know how many days those are, but I've got one day less. And it's a sobering thought, isn't it? You've got, I know these, these, these kids, you know, play video games and, and, and they've got lives there, you know. You've got maybe three lives, you know, that you, before the game's over, right? And so they spend one. Well, I've got two more. And then they lose another one. And then you're down to the last one. And there's going to be a last day. And we don't know when that will be. But we've spent one more than we had yesterday. Oh, yeah, there's an eternal day. Yeah. Yeah, there's an eternal day there that never ends. Um, no, no night there, right? No dark seasons there. Just forevermore. But he's purposed to give us a glorified body. We see further this morning in the remaining verses of Psalm 16, you know, there's nothing that's going to intervene that's going to prevent me from my inheritance. Right? Now, somebody could be expecting an inheritance from their parents and something intervened to whether the inheritance is lost or the inheritance is stolen, you know, whatever it may be. It can, it, it's, it, can, it can be taken away. This cannot be taken away. This can't be taken away. Nothing shall intervene or keep me from my inheritance, not even death. Not even death shall keep me from my inheritance. The Lord himself is my inheritance. The Lord himself is my portion. The Lord himself is my lot in this life and in that to come. Where death would have claimed me, we see here as we read in verse number 10, Thou wilt not leave my soul in hell. Neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one, Christ himself, to see corruption. But where death would have claimed me, the Lord has arisen. 
and defeated death, that it should no longer have power over me. Right? Death doesn't have power over you any longer. We sang about it this morning. There were some words in there about the sting of death and, and the power of the grave. No longer has power over you, Christian. No longer. So that you can say, Oh, death, where is thy sting? And you can write on top of your coffin like Brother Bob Jennings, Oh, grave, where is thy victory? You want something to put on your tombstone? Besides your name and the date you were born and the date you died? There's something good. Oh, grave, where is thy victory? You want to try to have some sort of a testimony after you're gone, just people reading your gravestone? You know, oh, grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. But Christ has paid for my sins. Made me the righteousness of God in him so that they no longer have power against me. Well, I won't spend a lot of time on verse number 8 because we touched on it last week and I've already touched on it somewhat this morning other than to say this. As you think about verse number 8 and you think about setting the Lord always before you and you think about him being at your right hand and you not being moved, humble yourself. Whatever your circumstances are right now, whatever your circumstances are in the future, whatever your circumstances have been in the past and regrets, you know, I lost this or I lost that. I could have done this or I could have done that. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Lord, I'm yours. If you own a business, if you have a bank account, if you have whatever you have in this life, yourself included, it is best for you to say this, Lord, it's all yours. It all belongs to you. None of it's mine whatsoever, and you can do with it what you please. And ask for grace to sustain you through whatever that might look like, whatever that might become, uh, what, whatever, wherever that might leave you, wherever that might lead you to. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. And what's the rest of that verse? And he will what? He will exalt you in due time. Humble yourself. Uh, that's a good passage too, sister. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not upon your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. That, that speaks of humbling ourselves under the mighty hand of God. But in due time, you, you, we would like to be under the pressure of whatever it is right now. But in due time, in due time, He'll lift you up. He, he's, he's the lifter up of your head. Whatever it is you're going through, the Lord has a purpose in it. And so it's best just for us to humble ourselves and say, Lord, have your way. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. You're the potter. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just a lump of clay. You know, mold me and make me. However you would. We, we know what he's doing. He's conforming us what? Into the image of Christ, isn't he? You know, we know what the Lord is doing. So have your own way, Lord. 
Whatever that looks like in Bruce's life, whatever that looks like in JT's life, whatever that looks like in Sister Shelby's life or Brother John's life or some of the young people here, the youngest among us, whatever that looks like in Shalom's life. Have your own way, Lord. It's the best thing to say, Emmy. It's the best thing to say, Daniel. Lord, have your way. Not my way. I don't want to have my way. My, my way is not the best way. The Lord's way is the best way. You have your way, Lord. The world's not going to teach that. Frank Sinatra did it his way. I don't want my way. I want God's way. That's the only thing that leads to fullness of joy. That's the only thing that leads to pleasures forevermore. I wonder what Frank Sinatra's saying today. He might be, still be saying, I regret that I did it my way. I don't know. I don't know. Are we humbling ourselves under his mighty hand? Because there, as Lydia's reading a book, and I might throw it out there as a suggestion, Cohen, for you guys, for your next book. Because I think you said one of the things y'all were considering was the sovereignty of God. Or Okay. Yeah, that would be the better side of it. <laughs> the sovereignty of God, right? Um, but in there was a similar quote to what I've quoted to you before. You know, R.C. Sproul says there's no maverick molecule. And that book she's reading, I mean, Jeff Johnson kind of elaborates on that, and he goes in talking about if there was just a nanosecond of a molecule having its own way, uh, a maverick molecule out there, you know, what chaos there would be in the universe. Uh, but it's not even a possibility. Uh, and so if, if God is sovereign over all things even down to the molecular level you know can you not always set him before you can you not trust him can you not lean upon him can you not hope in him can you not rely upon him can you not know that he's working all things together for your good i mean if he controls every single molecule is he not working everything for your good right now whatever it is you're going through i don't care i don't care what it is Whatever it is you're going through. He is a very present help. He's very near in time of trouble. Psalm 138 verse 6 says, Though the Lord be high. I read this verse to you last week, but I'm going to read it to you again. How high is he? I mean, how far above us is he? I mean, we were talking about the expanse of the universe uh, and, and man's calculations and what they think that the space of the universe is, the, the length and the breadth of the universe, and they, they say, we don't even know, but this is as far as we can measure. Um, you know, Andrew's going to go on the job site tomorrow. Uh, how long is your tape measure? Is it, is it 25? Is that what it is, 25? So 25-foot tape measure, as far as it goes. It won't go any further than that. You try to go any further than that, you're going to ruin that tape measure. It has that point down there at the end that says, don't go any further than this point, you know. That's as far as they can measure. I mean, they've got a 25-foot tape measure, you know, for something that is, as far as we, you know, know and understand, you know, is there's, there's no end, you know, unto it. I mean, how puny. I mean, it, it, it really is about like us being the third rock from the sun in, in the expanse of everything, you know. Who is man? What is man that thou art mindful of him? Um, Though the Lord be high, yet he hath respect. Who does the Lord look unto? 
It says here, the lowly. He has respect unto the lowly. The proud, you know what the far off, you remember the illustration I used last week, right, Danny? I mean, I mean you can keep Emmy or Shalom arm's length. I mean, they're pushing, 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 you know, and you're just holding them. And the, the proud, he knows afar off. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, thou wilt revive me. Thou shalt stretch forth thine hand against the wrath of mine enemies, and thy right hand shall save me. I shall not be moved, right? The Lord will perfect that which concerneth me. I can't do it. What hope would I ever have of perfecting that which concerns me? The Lord will perfect that which concerneth me. I, I, I hope you know this to be a reality in your own life. I hope you know the Lord and you know this to be a reality in your life. Because if you're lost, then this doesn't mean a whole lot to you. I mean, you understand what I'm saying, but it doesn't mean a whole lot to you. The Lord will perfect that which concerneth me. Thy mercy, O Lord, endureth forever. Forsake not the works of thine own hands. Here we are. I'm the clay. Don't, don't, don't pass me not, O gentle Savior. Hear my humble cry, while on others thou art calling. Do not pass me by. He is my refuge. He is my treasure. He is my sovereign. He is my counselor. He is the place that I go. He's the one to whom I turn. My understanding not to be leaned upon. He's my portion. He directs my path. He sustains me, preserves me. He will carry me through. This is the thing the psalmist is thinking about. I mean, from start to finish, really. I mean, from the cradle to the grave and beyond the grave, even. So it's no wonder that David says in verse number 9, Therefore my heart is glad. The Lord preserves me. My heart is glad. The Lord's at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Therefore my heart is glad. And my glory rejoices. My flesh also will dwell securely. My earthly existence. I can lay my head down upon my pillow at night. And there, let the thunder roll outside and the wind blow. And, and if, we were on, if we were on that boat with the disciples, we probably would have to have been rebuked like they were. Lord, Master, Teacher, don't you care that we perish? He stands up and rebukes the wind and rebukes the wave. Oh, ye of little faith. Why do you say that to them? Because he's the preserver. Whether I live on that boat or I perish on that boat, he is the preserver of my soul. If I were to drown on that boat, if that submarine that Bruce used to be in had sprung a leak, and I don't know, once the pressures like that got through any kind of crevice, I'm sure it would have just been crushing. You know, it would have just flowed right through. I don't know that it would have been one little rivet pop, you know, and a little sprinkle, you know, come out. Uh, It probably would have come in like a flood. Yeah. 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 But 
who kept Bruce through all of, I mean, the Titanic, you know, they thought couldn't be sunk, and the iceberg, you know, just shears off the side of it, and down it goes. And yes, it is ironic that a submarine went down to sea, you know, that, and, you know, there were people that lost their lives. Uh, Who's the preserver? I mean, the Lord is of our souls. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Um, I mean, I, I look out at your faces, and I see your face here this morning. I see your smiling face here this morning. But there's going to come a day, unless the Lord takes me before you or comes and takes all of us at the same time, more than likely that you're going to be right up here and you're going to be stretched out inside of a coffin. We don't know how many days it's going to be until we reach that day. But even then, the Lord has been your preserver. I mean, we're taking care of your body, but the Lord's already taken your soul. You know, He's already taken your soul. Forevermore, yeah. Lamentations 3.24 says, The Lord is my portion. You know, he talks about his flesh dwelling securely in verse number 9 that we just read in our text. And we can dwell securely in this life. We, we can lay down and rest our heads upon our pillows at night. I mean, that's oftentimes when I preach a funeral and I preach to the lost, which I've had funeral directors tell me before is not the place to do that. No, it's precisely the place to do that. But I would of, oftentimes I'll say, don't let your head hit your pillow tonight before you have gone before God and you have confessed your sin and your need of Christ and called upon Him for salvation. Um, it's that important. Really, you know, I'm using that as an illustration, but it's, it's, it's so important before they left this place to go up to the graveside service, you know, um, anything could happen between here and there, you know. Um, you, you need to get right with God. Um, uh, and, 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 and not just let these things easily slip, you know, away from your thoughts. The Lord is my portion, says Lamentations 3.24, <clears throat> saith my soul, therefore will I hope in him. Therefore will I hope in him. His soul, he says, saith my soul. His soul is saying, the Lord is my portion. His soul is saying, I have hope in him. I mean, is, is this the real you? This here, you know? I remember the old commercial, if you can pinch more than an inch, you know, I can do that. Um, this is not the real me. There's a soul inside. I used to not be able to, Danny, you know. <clears throat> I, I could maybe pinch an inch of skin if I grabbed enough of it, but it wouldn't have been any, I couldn't gain weight to save, you know, my life. But um, my soul rests in hope. I, I don't have much hope for this fleshly body. I don't have much hope in this fleshly body. It's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to perish. It's going to decay. Um, it is, as, to use scriptural terms, it's corruptible right? It's mortal, uh, and, and, and it's going to perish, right? I, I don't want to save it, honestly. 
You know, I'm, I'm thankful for it while I'm in this life and want to give God all the glory that I'm able to give Him in this life in it, but it ain't going to heaven. The Bible talks about that. Flesh and blood shall not inherit the kingdom of God, right? Uh, there's, there's something coming better than that. It's the thing Job talks about when he says, I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the last, um, at the last he will take his stand on the earth and after, even after my skin is destroyed or worms destroy this body, yet my flesh, in my flesh I shall see God. In that glorified body I shall see God. Um, so there's something God is going to do for my body and this text is talking about that. God's going to cause the dead in Christ to rise, Right? I mean, we, we plant, we've planted a bunch of people. I mean, I, I've seen, you know, my share of, of funerals just here, you know, in, in this, this one place. Not to mention the ones I've seen out of this place. You know, JT talking about he didn't have much family left. Well, I've seen a lot of mine, you know, die too. Um, but there's something that God's going to do for my body. Something God's going to do for my body. He's going to cause the dead in Christ to rise. We know those who are alive and remain, they'll be changed. But he's going to cause the dead in Christ to rise. And do I understand exactly all that will be entailed there? I know it's no difficulty. I used to think as a kid, uh, Shalom, what about, what about the people that sharks have eaten? And their bodies are, are scattered all over the place. Their bones are on the bottom of the ocean floor. Or people that have been blown to smithereens. Um, you know, what about those people? You know, is anything too hard for the Lord? How about that valley of dry bones? you imagine? Yes, he prophesied to those and they started coming together. You know, can you imagine? Is anything too hard for the Lord? We're going to be glorified. We've been justified, we're being sanctified, we're going to be glorified. 1 John 3, 2 says, Beloved, now we are the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope purifies himself in him, purifies himself even as he is pure. So there's a finished work yet to be done. I mean, it's completed. But there's a finished work yet to be done from our side of things. We're, to be, we're going to be clothed upon with immortality. Clothed upon with immortality. This corruptible shall put on incorruption. This mortal shall put on immortality at the coming of Christ. Even if we're alive and remain, the trumpet shall sound. And in, the mo- in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we shall all be changed the dead in Christ shall be raised incorruptible and that's what verse number 10 is talking about you will not abandon my soul to the grave nor will you allow your holy one to undergo decay we, we know David's speaking of himself and we know he's speaking of Christ he's speaking of both so if we ask the question is he speaking of himself or Christ we just say yes right um, so your version may say Shoal, you know, which is the grave signifies the grave he'll not leave us in the grave 
I've, I've been some places that that was the thought, was that there was some sort of soul sleep, you know. Uh, you die and your soul just sleeps. And it's really a wrestling with how things, you know, in people's minds, I mean, how they can't comprehend. And so that was an idea, you know. But we know what the Scripture says, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And we, we hear Paul talking about, you know, it'd be far better for me to go and be with Christ, but more profitable for me to remain here, you know, with you. He will not suffer, he would not suffer, his holy one to see corruption. I mean, that's, that's all an incredible thought in and of itself, isn't it? But there was no sin in him, right? He didn't, he didn't come out of that grave a soul, you know, if you want to think about it in those terms, I mean, here we are absent from the body, present with the Lord. Our souls go to be, you know, with the Lord. He wasn't a disembodied, you know, spirit, so to speak. One preacher I was listening to this week, he was talking about components. There's so many things that we have these days that have components. I mean, years ago, they actually used to repair things, but now things are built to where there's components, and you take a component out, and you, it's bad, and you put a new component, you know, in. You just throw away, you know, the old one. Well, in a sense... I mean, that kind of explains us. You know, we're kind of made up of two parts. We have this body and we have a soul. And one day, this body, I guess, in a sense, God's going to change, in a way, you know, that component, this fleshly body, earthly body. We've borne the image of the earthly, right? We're going to bear the image of the heavenly, and we're going to be given a glorified body. He did not abandon... Christ, he will not abandon us. He will not abandon us because of Christ. If it weren't for Christ, then we would have to wonder what would become of us. You know, Peter speaking at Pentecost, and you think about that in reference to what has taken place at that time. You know, the Lord's come, Brother JT read to us this morning, they come there to arrest the Lord. And he says, you know, take me, leave these. Well, go, you know, through, we have the crucifixion happen, and the disciples are gathered together, they're afraid, you know, what may happen to them, because they've taken the Lord and crucified Him. But you fast forward to the day of Pentecost, and it seems like this is kind of a first public, you know, in a way, before all sorts of people, declaration, you know, of the resurrection of Christ. He says in Acts 20, or 2, verse 22, You men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as yourselves also know. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, not just the counsel you know, of those men who came to take him, but the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, you have taken, and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible. I, I look at you at a lot of these things, Bruce, because I know you think about them. It was not possible that he could be held by it. I mean, the grave couldn't hold him. It wasn't able to hold him. For David speaketh concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face. Does that sound similar where we are? I've set the Lord always before me, Right? For he is on my right hand that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice. I mean, it's all tracking just right with where we are in Psalm 16, isn't it? 
Therefore did my heart rejoice, and my tongue was glad. Moreover, also my flesh shall rest in hope. Because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Thou hast made known to me the ways of life. Thou shalt make me full of joy with thy countenance. Men and brethren, let me speak freely unto you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulcher is with us unto this day. So he's, 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 he's making that dichotomy that we've already made. You know, when we look at verse number 10, you'll not leave my soul in hell. So here's, here, or the grave, here's David. He's still in the grave. We know where David's tomb is, they're saying. He's still in there. His bones, you know, are there. His sepulcher is with us unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. He, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection. So this is here on the day of Pentecost. Peter speaking and saying, David spoke of this. He, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in the grave, neither his flesh did see corruption. This Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we are all witnesses. So, what does this say unto us? The soul will not be left in the grave. You will not be abandoned in the grave. He's carried you all of your earthly existence, even unto most of us here are gray hairs. But even beyond the grave, in the glory. I mean, we, we see pictures of it in Scripture, don't we? You have Lazarus there. He dies outside the rich man's gate. And the angels, you know. You, you talk about transportation, you know. I mean, people Uber, right? You know, you talk about transportation. The angels come and bear him unto Abraham's bosom, which is just another way of saying heaven itself, you know. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. And if we die before the Lord's coming, we'll know that. We'll know something of that. Think about the, talk about David's bones, you know, being there. Think about the thief on the cross. And what the Lord said to him. Cohen's already said it. Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. You know, one thief is, is saying, if you truly be the Christ. So he had some knowledge of who the Lord was. You know, maybe he was a Jew. I don't know. Um, but if you truly be the Christ, just save yourself and us also. And, you know, the, thief, the other thief's like saying, you know, we, we are rightfully here. We have, maybe they robbed the same convenience store together. I don't know. Um, but we're rightfully here. You know, we have sinned. We have been wicked we justly deserve what we're getting right now. But this, this man, he's done nothing amiss. He's committed no sin. He, he doesn't deserve what's happening to him. And he turns to the Lord. Can you imagine having a conversation in such agony and in such pain? And he says, Lord, when you come into your kingdom, remember me. And the Lord says, truly, I say unto you that this day you will be with me in paradise. So we don't have to wonder, do we? 
I mean, it's, it's here in our text, certainly, but there's other places that we see it in Scripture as well. But that thief, his body's buried somewhere. It's still there. It's still there somewhere over there. I don't know where it's at. Yeah. Yeah, could be. But it, it's still there. It's decayed because it's mortal. Because we said flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. But the soul of that thief, one day you'll be able to meet. One day you'll be able to commune with. One day he'll rejoice in your presence at the grace of God that was shown unto him. He is alive right now in the presence of God. It's incredible to think about. What hope? Does that not give you hope? I mean, do you really have to fear death? I mean, death really is going to do you a favor in one way. It's going to rid you of this fleshly existence. It's going to rid you of this fleshly body that troubles you. You know, on a physical, you know, part, but, but also, you know, I mean, the, the sin that we wrestle with so often, the unbelief, the fear, the doubt, you know, all the things that constitute this fleshly existence, one day death will rid you of that. This body will be, in a sense, put to death. But you, you will live on. What I was reading to you, or quoting to you, was really from 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty. I, now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. And it is, isn't it? It is mysterious to think about. We shall not all sleep or die, but we should all be changed. In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal shall put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying, all these things that I've been saying to you, I'm reading to you here now, that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who giveth us victory. The victory which is, or is through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast. I shall not be moved. Right? Therefore, beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Have we not said before that we are invincible? You understand what I'm saying when I say that? I mean, it really, I mean, you, you, the, 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 the disciples were in the garden, right? Could they be taken? No. No. Not, not unless God permit, they couldn't be taken. Did, were they scared and afraid? Yes. One man ran out of his clothes, uh, even, if you read the account in Mark. You know? <clears throat> I mean, you are really invincible. I'm not saying that you need to tempt the Lord and step out in front you know, of a car coming down the freeway. Um, but, but what can happen to you unless the Lord permits it? There is not a maverick molecule in the universe. 
Um, this mortal, this corruption shall put on incorruption, shall put on immortality. This thing that we fight with daily, that we have to subdue daily, is going to be removed. 1 Corinthians 15, up further in that chapter, verses 45 through 49, I've mentioned this to you already, but let me read it to you. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Howbeit that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural. And afterward, that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. And as the, is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy. And as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the earthy. That's what I wanted to get to. And read that to you again. As we've borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. We, we sing a hymn, you know, about the, 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 the image of Adam being effaced. In other words, being removed. And the image of Christ being stamped in its place. We're going to be like him. When we see him, we shall be like him. When are you going to see him? I mean, we've not seen him in this life with these physical eyes. When are you going to see him? You know, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. We're going to see him. I mean, how does a soul see? I don't know. You know, I throw these things out for Bruce's benefit. <laughs> we shall see him and we shall be like him. Our, our, when, I know this, this corruptible is going to put on incorruption. I mean, we're going to put on a glorified body. But can we not say that when we leave this existence and we are absent from the body and present with the Lord, that in that state, aren't we already, you know, there in that place where there, there's, there's, there's no more sin? I mean, how can there be if we're present with the Lord and there's nothing in heaven, you know, that is corruptible? I mean, we've already, we've already attained you know, to, you know, that estate in a sense. I mean, I know we're not complete yet because we don't have a glorified body and we'll not inherit that, you know, apart from others. We'll all receive those, you know, at the same time as far as I understand the Scripture, you know. But, but um, we'll be in His presence bearing His image when we see something of, 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 a, of a glorified body. If we're going to, when we see Him, we'll be like Him. You, know, you think about after eight days, there they were in that room, and the doors were shut, and they were locked. Why? Because they were afraid they would be take, taken captive, right? And the Lord appears in their presence, and they begin to think it's a ghost. But the Lord eats even, you know, in their presence. I know I mentioned that before, but um, they were terrified. The Lord didn't knock. He just came in, you know. Um, the doors were shut, and he stood in the midst of them and said, Peace be unto you. And in an account in Luke, it says, He said unto them, Why are you troubled, and why do your thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold, my hands and feet, that it is I myself. Handle me. Right? Who? Who do you think he was speaking to there? Thomas. Handle me. And see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones. Isn't that something? You know, flesh and bones as you see me have. And when he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they 
Yet believed not for joy, and wondered. He said unto them, Have you here any meat? And they gave him a piece of a broiled fish and a honeycomb, and he took it, and he did eat it before them. Ate in their presence after the resurrection, Bruce. <laughs> he didn't come forth from the grave a disembodied spirit. He came forth and ate you know, in their presence. And we shall be like him. You know, Paul talks about this same place in Psalm 16 when he, he stands there in Antioch um, and he says in Acts 13, 35, Therefore he also says in another psalm, You will not allow your Holy One to undergo decay. For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation. It's a nice way to think about your existence, isn't it? You are serving the purpose of God in your generation. And, and JT alluded to that already this morning. But after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, he fell asleep and was laid among his fathers and underwent decay. But he whom God raised did not undergo decay. Therefore, let it be known to you, brethren, that through him forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. And through him everyone who believes is freed from all things from which you could not be freed through the law of Moses. And now we've been talking about this for a little while now. I don't know how much time I have left. But everybody here, whether you are, okay, whether you are saved or lost, guess what? You're going to be fitted with another body. We'll be fitted to dwell in the presence of God as believers and live in God's presence. You know, no man has seen God and lived. I mean, in this flesh and blood body, we couldn't do it. It's not possible. But in that glorified body, we'll be able to. But also those who are lost, they're going to be fitted with a body. What's that body? We're fitted to be in the presence of God and, and rejoice and joy Him forever. They're going to be fitted with a body to endure the torments of hell for eternity. For eternity. Can you imagine? For eternity. It's incredible to think about being fitted to endure the torments of hell. It's, it's a sad thing to think about. Yeah. Yes. You won't be able to bear it, but bear it, you will. And, and, and isn't there things that we've gone through in our fleshly existence that we thought we couldn't bear, but bear it, we did, you know. Um, and it does seem unbearable uh, for a person to live in hell for eternity, but as Bruce said, bear it, they will forever. I mean, it's the opposite of at thy right hand are pleasures forevermore. So, again, like if I was preaching a funeral message here, you know, this morning, do not lay your head down. I mean, we're, we're told to make our calling and election sure. Do not lay your head down without going before the Lord and saying, Lord, search me, try me, see if there be... I want to know. I mean, assurance is a gift. I mean, you think about assurance, what a gift. Assurance is. I, I've known a time in my life when I didn't have it. But to have assurance, what a blessing. 
My prayer for you, if there is someone here this morning that does not know if they know the Lord, if they don't care that they know the Lord, is that the Lord would arrest you, even as he did Saul of Tarsus, you know, and make himself known unto you, and that you would repent and believe upon him. Think about what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, even further up. Thinking about the resurrection of Christ, he says, if Christ be not risen, then our preaching is vain. It was just a waste of time here this morning if Christ is not raised from the dead. And your faith also is in vain. And he says, yea, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. The dead will rise. Elect, non-elect, saved, lost, believing, unbelieving, Christian, non-Christian, whatever term you want to put on it. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. You might as well go start digging as an archaeologist and try to find his bones. They say they have at different times, haven't they? You've, you've heard about that, haven't you? We found the body of Christ. Yeah. No. They found somebody's body, but they didn't find the Lord's body. If Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, and you are yet in your sins. If Christ be not raised, then there's not any hope for any of us. Not any hope in preaching that there would be any hope. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. But now, he says, Christ is. It's it's not a fable. This this isn't just some storybook. Um, It's not a fable. Christ is risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Doesn't really give a distinction there. I mean, we know we're, we're thinking is in, in regards to us as believers, but but certainly the opposite is true. I mean, even the unbelieving shall be made alive. Those who have died. I mean, you think about Pilate. Here he's sitting on the the judgment seat and he's judging Christ and he's saying, "What is truth? There's no such thing." In other words, there is no truth truth i mean even then i mean it's what we're dealing with today but he was saying the same thing wasn't he truth whatever you make it to be <laughs> whatever you want it to be what do you think brother? right yeah they're making a statement aren't they yeah so, right exactly so if you're gonna say there's no truth then is that true no <laughs> no right Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. No. God is. Let God be true and every man a liar, right? Yeah. So you think about the Lord 
in these things as we began this psalm. We talked about the fact that these are statements that the Lord himself, it's a messianic psalm that he's making. And if he had reason to cry out, Lord, preserve me, O God, how much more we? How much more we? If he made God his trust, how much more we? If it would be possible, you saw him, we see him there in the garden, if it would be possible, let this cup pass, but nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. He made him his hope. We have a hope that is steadfast and sure. This earthly tabernacle, 2 Corinthians 5 says, is going to be dissolved. And if it be dissolved, he, Paul says, we have a building. He says, of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. And creation's groaning for that day, right? Not just we, but creation itself is groaning for that day. He goes on to say in verse number 8, We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. You know. Romans 8, 11, But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Um, and we, we can look at that and say yes now and yes you know, to come. Um, in, in the next psalm, in Psalm 17, the psalmist says in verse number 15, and this kind of sums up in a sense what we've been talking about, he says, as for me, I will behold thy face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied. When am I going to be satisfied? I mean, I eat and I get full. And I could say I'm satisfied. But depending on what I've eaten, you know, like you eat Chinese food and you're hungry like right away, you know. And then I'm no longer satisfied. But he's talking about full satisfaction, eternal satisfaction, unending satisfaction. I shall be satisfied when I awake with thy likeness. I long for such a day. I long for such a day to see the king in all of his beauty, in all of his glory. That land that still seems far off to arrive there and meet those that have already arrived there. I mean, you think about us talking about being one here, you know, and how, how, how good, how pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity. Can you imagine there, you know, dwelling with all the brethren who have gone before us, dwelling together there in unity. Well, God will bring you Christian body and soul through life and death to full and everlasting pleasure. Full and everlasting pleasure. Death, as terrible a prospect as it is, will rid us of the corruptible and the mortal, and we will put on incorruption and immortality. We'll be perfectly, finally free from evil forever. Never again a selfish desire. Never again uttering useless words. Never performing an unkind deed or having a sinful thought. We will be perfectly liberated, (laughs) Brother JT, from our captivity to sin and finally able to think and act in a way that is perfectly righteous 
holy, honorable in God's sight. So in heaven we'll finally lose all the traces of the fall. Yes, yay. (laughs) So Lord, help us to rest in these things. And uh, I pray that if if you don't know the Lord, that you would be able to find that rest because Matthew ten twenty eight says, Fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. And that's a component of what we're you know, thinking about certainly this morning. The Lord said in John eleven twenty five, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me shall live even if he dies. Shall live even if he dies. What will heaven be like? I promise you more glorious than you can imagine. Yeah. Absolutely. More glorious than you can imagine. There will be no disappointments. Absolutely none. Will we play golf in heaven? Who cares? Who cares? It'll be more glorious than you could ever imagine. I have not seen, ear hath not heard, neither entered into the heart of man those things that have been prepared for us. It will be worth it all when we see him. No. Well, (laughs) what I've heard others come back on that, I mean, if you could play golf in heaven not that I'm a big golf advocate but if you could it'd be a perfect game every time right so what would be the point (laughs) be kind of boring wouldn't it yeah right yeah yeah exactly (laughs) hole in one every you know par five doesn't matter you know (laughs) yeah I don't know I'm taking that stretching out a little bit far but anyway you understand yeah Who cares? Yeah. Well, let's stand and we'll go to the Lord in prayer. I didn't make it through everything, but I made my point, I think. I probably beat on it longer than you wanted me to but but um, Isaiah 49 verse 8 says thus saith the Lord in an acceptable time have I heard thee and in a day of salvation have I helped thee and I will preserve thee that's what we're talking about and give thee for a covenant of the people to establish the earth to cause to inherit the desolate heritages that thou mayest say to the prisoners go forth to them that are in darkness, show yourselves. How would we ever even have come out of the darkness if, if God had not <coughs> brought us into the light where we show ourselves? And, and for you to show yourselves now and, and not fear to come before him and say, search me, try me, see if there be any wicked way in me. They shall feed in the ways and their pastures shall be in all high places. <coughs> We have a standing.
in Christ. We are preserved in Christ. We shall be glorified in Christ.